Hello, and welcome to Spoiler Alert, a weekly talk radio show for TV and movie lovers. I'm your lady host, Sonia Stanger, and with me is my beautiful, fabulous, sparkly, fantastic co-host and friend of Dorothy, Sean Dunham. Hey. Oh, hey. Hey, Sadie. <laughs> Sadie. Unfortunately, uh, our co-host Jeremy could not be here with us tonight as he is attending Regina's Straight Pride Parade. Sonia, that is despicable. Just kidding. <laughs> Especially given recent news that that parade in Boston has uh, ties to white nationalists. Yeah. Jeremy, Just kidding, Jeremy. Jeremy loves. You're a beautiful Jeremy ally, and we love you. We miss you. Uh Spoiler alert, but this week it's Pride here in Regina, and it's Pride Month all over the world. Uh, so this week we are queering the show and talking all things LGBTQ2S+. On film. The whole, the whole family. And, spoiler alert, is in full effect. Otherwise you might find out that Jack really didn't know how to quit him. Oh. Sad. That is sad. So, Sean, I thought that a good way to kick off the show... Uh, especially given some of the discourse that's been going around lately, would be to talk about what Pride is and what it's about and what it means to us. Oh, my God. What does Pride mean to you? Very broad. I know. um, I guess when I look, what I think about in a Pride film, or at least makes me feel proud to be queer, Mm -hmm. is like sort of getting a sense of the community that a person lives in. Mm. Because so much of the... So many movies and television have, like, one or two characters that everything is based off. They all, like, everyone has a queer friend, blah, blah, blah. But there's not, there's so few that just show an actual, someone's queer life and their Mm -hmm. family and how they interact with each other. And, you know, um, you know, like, the L word or, like, looking even who I I didn't actually love. But Mm -hmm. it was one of the few things where it's like, oh, these people are all different, and they all think about different things. And, like, Pose and Queer as Folk and things like that. Mm-hmm. I actually meant Pride in general. Yes. Like, Pride, like, like Pride itself is what I my question was. But I love that you drilled right down to the heart of film. Um, so we're going to, let's put a pin in oh, that. okay, okay. <laughs> because I fully agree with you. But just, I just feel like it, this is a moment. Like, I know we keep this show light. It's a light, fun comedy show. Lols, lols, lols. Um, but I just feel like this is a moment where there is this question in some circles of like, why pride? Why? Why is there a gay pride? Oh my god! Exactly. Why does it exist? I cannot believe that this is happening. It's shocking. So. Frankly, it's shocking because we know the realities. But I just think like, I like to be my pride this month, this year, my yeah. pride month this year. Yes, is like a mindful one. I'm feeling very mindful. I'm feeling like I really am wanting to connect with the roots of our movement mm-hmm. and our our community and so i've been thinking about this a lot so like for me pride is inherently political um mm-hmm. because as many people know uh it rose out of uh well differently in in canada and the u.s but in the u.s it rose out of uh the stonewall riots um after police raids on a gay bar um of course these movements were started by uh trans women of color um especially uh sylvia rivera and marcia p johnson um important activists from the states mm-hmm. um so i just think and 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 it started in reaction to um all these difficult things, these sort of measurable types of oppression that queer people face in the world. And I think that it's a very happy, fun time. And like, 
especially now that brands are very into corporations love to have a rainbow flag as their logo um, because they want our money and they've realized that queer people will buy things. Isn't that such a double-edged sword (laughs) of like, yeah, this parade is the largest it's ever been. Mm -hmm. Um, And also RBC is throwing a a water bottle in my face. Yeah, and the cops are all here. Yeah, and so, and yeah, I guess in some ways it is like, yeah, I'm not walking down the street with a paper bag over my head Mm -hmm. a la like literally 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. But it's also like it uh, it doesn't none of it, a lot of it doesn't feel right. But then also it's the wrestle of like, of course I'm going to walk in this parade because there's millions of people who would die to be able to walk in the yeah. parade. And it's like yeah, it's inconvenient for me. I'm <laughs> my feet hurt. Mm-hmm. It's hot, but I'm like I'm going to do this because you know it's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I just wanted that. Like, that's kind of the context for me going into this episode. So I was like, let's lay that out a little bit. I agree. But. I agree that it was right for you to do that. <laughs> for me to <laughs> completely miss. I loved your directness. That's something I really admire about you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but in terms of Pride films, yeah, I really agree. I think that sort of the, like, wholeness of characters is something that's really been lacking in media for a long time when it comes to queer characters. Yeah, like. community. How many queer people are, you know, a group of friends where everyone is straight and there's one queer person? Like, that doesn't exist. Like, it's not a pro. It doesn't really happen. And if no. it doesn't, it's like, honestly, it's not a great situation for that person. Yeah, like, I guess it does probably exist in places where you don't have community. Yeah, and I guess in some time, sometimes I am that person where I'm like, I actually don't want, like, I feel like an imposition if I'm saying... I want to go to this other place. Or, like, I don't like being mm. here. And it's and for that person, they would have to experience that all the time. Oh, that makes me sad. It's tough. It's good to think about, though. Um, and I was doing a little research for our episode. Um, and I, was, I came across this thing uh, that GLAAD does, which is an advocacy organization in the U.S. Oh, I thought you were um, talking about the plastic... Company. Yeah, plastic bags. I mean, obviously, they're really like, important I love their pride design, season. Like, their diamond design, that's yeah. really strong, but... So also, they have those ones that are smell-resistant, which I love. Oh, you need that. Yeah, you got to have it. <laughs> you don't want to be stinky in Pride Month. Um, but GLAD has this uh, index that they've released in for the past seven years called the Studio Responsibility Index, um, which is based on how the 20 biggest uh, movie studios in the U.S. do in terms of uh, queer representation on film. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was quite interesting. But one of the things that came out of the uh, summary that I was reading... Yeah, um, I will say that you sent me this and I saw a wall of stats... <laughs> And I ran running the other way. And yes. you were like, I don't know why you can't just filter this immediately and look at it. I don't know <laughs> like, if you I'm knew scared. this, Sean, but one stereotype about queer women is that uh, we love statistics. <laughs> I had no idea. We love data. Um, but one of the things that this that the, the sort of executive summary of their report uh, for 2018 uh, mentions is called the Vito Russo test, which is a set of criteria to analyze um, how LGBTQ characters are situated within the narrative. So like similar to the Bechdel test that you would have for female characters. Sorry, Vito um, Russo? Vito Russo. Isn't oh, that great? That's a good name. Even the name's gay. Vito Russo. Welcome to the stage. <laughs> Welcome to the stage, Vito Russo. Uh, apparently he uh, was the Glad Cow co-founder and celebrated a f- celebrated film historian. Wow. So we're good thing that we're highly educated on that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Bravo, Mr. 
Mr. Russo. <laughs> but I find the criteria, the criteria are great and I'm totally going to use this. Um, so the, so the first criterion is, um, the film contains a character that is identifiably lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, or queer. Um, the second is that the, uh, that character must not solely or predeterminately, predeterminately, predominantly, uh, <laughs> be defined uh, by their sexual orientation or gender identity. So obviously, like, what we were kind of talking about, they're not just a shell of a character that's a flamboyant gay man. Yeah. Yeah. They're just there to make witty remarks. That happens sometimes. Um, And then the third criterion is the LGBTQ character must be tied into the plot in such a way that their removal would have a significant effect. Uh, Oh, so this is kind of the one where they're not there just to set up the punchline. Right, right. Okay. Um... So what were these findings? This is interesting because I'm like, oh, I'm going to use this in the future. Um, but what's nice is that of uh, the twenty, first of all, spoiler alert: there were twenty LGBTQ uh, inclusive films in 2018 from that, all 20 studios that met these criteria. Um, nope, just 20 in general. Oh, I see. Got yeah, it. <laughs> uh, but 65 percent of those 20 passed the Vito Russo test, okay. which is the highest percentage recorded in the report's history. How long have they been recording? Okay. So first of all, here are some things. One, there's no good data on queerness. I was looking at things today under researched. And That's know, clear. Never mind. I was going to make some stupid joke. Anyway, Queer continue, women are mad. Continue. Um, second thing, uh, it's all pretty recent or like sparse. All of the data. Yeah, seven years is a not a long. time. It's not a long time. It's and like It's all the same organizations doing it too. They've only like been doing this glad. since 2012. That's when exactly. the world was supposed to end. Yeah, I but that's be- when it all began. <laughs> the Vito Russo index, no test. I don't know. Um, but I forget what I was going to say. So, um, but I think it's depressing that 13 films um, that pass this measure. Is the highest ever. That is wild. In a year. Do they have the titles or they don't? They do. They have, well, they have some of them. Um, Anything that we would recognize? Right. Okay. Blockers. Right. I should have watched Blockers. Oh, it's good. Have you not seen it? No, because I feel like its marketing really made me feel like it was going to be dumb. I liked it. Well, and then I've heard good things. Yeah. Deadpool 2. Okay. I don't remember the queerness in that. Well, is his character in general supposed to be a bisexual or a pansexual? Oh, maybe. I believe I think that, they make reference to it. But... Crazy Rich Asians. Okay. The Girl in the Spider's Web. Didn't see it. Me and either. More. <laughs> and <Mara>. more. <laughs> and more is my favorite. Yeah, they're like, we don't know them either. <laughs> anyway, the sort of overall summary of this report is that things are getting better in some respects but still work to do. Um, So basically, uh, of the 45 LGBTQ characters counted this year, 26 of them had less than three minutes of screen time, and 16 of those had under one minute. Also, they talk about how there were zero uh, trans characters in the movies that they counted. That is reprehensible. And that the representation of people of color is down. So, state of queer film, caveat. Always in... Triage. We're working on it. We're hemorrhaging. Things are happening. It just like Google, how are gay things? Uh, and it's bad it's not, in the news. It's not great. Gay things in the news are bad. But let's talk about some movies because that's what this show is about. It is. Um, did you watch any gay movies this week? I watched a few. I watched a bit of a breadth. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I decided to start this one. It was one I've is like a full camp classic that many queer people I uh, know and respect love. And so I decided to watch Earth Girls Are Easy, mm-hmm. which I have never seen before. And, you know, just the title, you already know where you're at. You're, yeah, it tells you a lot. Um, and so, yeah, this is um, a musical, which I did not realize, um, written, produced, and starring Julie Brown. Not to be confused with downtown Julie Brown. <laughs> I was just about to say that. This is a different. This is Miss Julie Brown. Uh-huh. Um, it's unfortunate that they exist at the same time. Yeah. Um, she is just sort of an LA character. Mm-hmm. She she acts. She sings. She releases like she's a comedian. She does a lot of sort of like um, par- music parodies, things like that. Um, and she does a lot of. Her Madonna impressions are pretty fun. Um, and you get a lot of Madonna vibes from her character in this. But anyway, so she penned it, and you can totally see it everywhere. It's like full L.A. aesthetic in the 80s. She So it's about a G- Gina Davis plays a nail tech, mm-hmm. which is just like from Already the beginning. Amazing. <laughs> She's like tottering around on these seven-feet legs. She's I, unbelievably gorgeous. It's crazy. Um, she's just, uh, she's wearing a sun hat with the top cut off, so her big curly hair spills out the top. Beautiful. It's like, all of it's amazing. Um, so she gets cheated on by her boyfriend, kicks him out, and then three aliens crash land in her pool, and they are played by, uh, Damon Wayans, Jim Carrey, and Jeff Goldblum. Oh my. Who all are basically post-verbal. They're like a sexy alien. They're all furry, but when she sh- when they do this makeover with her friend Julie Brown, they suddenly become like beautiful men who can barely speak, just just do sex. And it's didn't like, Jeremy tell us about this film? Was he might have? And I, think I feel he like I like it. kind of I don't I didn't remember it. Yeah, but now I remember it because when you say that about Jeff Goldblum being it's crazy. He got dehaired, and you will never be the same. Even Jim Carrey, I was like, Jim Carrey's a gorgeous man in this film. And I didn't really expect this from his... I would never have seen that coming. I've never seen it with his rubbery face before, <laughs> but I do I do now. And I not never will be the same. <laughs> um, the soundtrack is by Nile Rodgers. It's just like... Uh, the aesthetics are everything. There's many... There's a cuticle convention. There's a makeover machine. There's a homoerotic dance-off in a club. It's it's honestly one of the best things you'll ever see, and I feel and you like you need it? to. I really liked it. There was there, so the actual queer characters. There's not really much. Mm. There's two police officers that um, that Jeff Goldblum uses his alien powers to make fall in love with each other. Well, that's nice. Well, and then the them talking to each other is very oh. <laughs> is quite the offensive material. Yeah. But it's not there Okay, what long. year did this come out? 1986. Yeah, so. So it was tough. It was bad times. Um, but my favorite line is from Julie Brown when she is what she's in a club. There's a, obviously a lot of club scenes. And Gina Davis is uh, making out with an alien and she's like, I can't believe you're Frenching an alien in front of all these people. <laughs> Which is honest. It was like it's the line to live your life by. It's a it's a line to hang your hat on. It's a line to hang your topless hat on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, love it. Anyway, I suggest if I will watch even like just playing. I feel like I want this just playing on a big screen, so, like soundlessly. 
at every party I'm ever at. Well, when we have your princess summer. birthday party later this year. My son. <laughs> Remember we're having your princess party? Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll also have Earth Girls Are Easy playing in the background. I've got a lot of themes. I need to cut some themes. Honestly, that's what I always say. Look in the mirror, remove one theme from your birthday Was party. that you or was that, was that some other famous fashionista? <laughs> no. You know me, famous oh, fashionista. Um, what did you watch? I watched a few things uh, this week. Um, we actually did a Pride episode last year at the same time. And Here's honestly, I watched two of the films you guys told me to watch last year. And it took me a year. What were they? Uh, I watched Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, Fine. which, problematic fave. Loved it. This is the thing with a lot of these sort of cult mm-hmm. camp classics. Is that there's some things that you're just like, well, that is just not yeah. inexcusable. Intersectionality was not always a part of our beautiful queer art. No. And, and yet, still, despite it's that, really. it's, yeah, also that. Um, despite that, it's a really beautiful film in a lot of ways. And I was very torn by my feelings in that regard. Um, so, yeah, I'll talk about that one first. Um, it's like everything you guys said last year, uh, aesthetically. It's stupendous. Because also it has that sort of, it's like a ragged DIY aspect to yeah. everything, which is so hometown queen. And it's, it it really, I feel like it really adds to the dusty glamour of Yeah, this, and of this the time. like dreaminess of it. Yeah. Because it all feels kind of like a fever dream in this like Australian outback kind of way. Um and it just really works with that. Um, but yeah, the scenes, like any, a drag queen on top of a pink bus driving through the uh, Australian outback with a huge flowing garment, lip syncing to opera. Yeah. Like, you just. Where else do you need to go? I was like, why is, are there not more opera drag queens? Also, one of the things I thought in this episode, in this episode, on, during this movie. <laughs> moments ago. <laughs> just moments ago. No, while watching this film, there's, um, when they do. I forget what number it is. I think it's when they do I Will Survive. Oh, yeah. Um, they're in, like, a disco-y kind of outfit. And they basically have, like, small hula hoops in the bottom of their pants. They have, like, a oh, stretchy yeah, yeah. pant. It makes it look like a bell-bottom, but, like, extreme. And I'm shocked that no one on Drag Race has ever done it. Yeah, those are very fun. It's and a good very- idea. <laughs> very DIY also. Completely. Um. So, yes, caveats. We do have straight men, three straight cis men. Playing two drag queens and a trans woman. Yeah. The, um, the trans woman character was rough. It was rough. And yet, like, it could have been but a lot also, worse. also, yeah, but... The 1994. Yeah, this is the thing is a lot of those characters are a parody. Um, mm-hmm. But then sometimes they bring a little bit of sensitivity to it that you're like... But then also that must that could also just be us like chomping at scraps too. Well, right, and that is honestly kind of the queer movie goer story is like we'll just take whatever we can get. I see a sliver of myself in this person. But there are some really great moments. Like I noticed almost every single time that um, Bernadette, who's the trans woman, um, is misgendered. Someone corrects the person who does it. Mm -hmm. Like there's a correction, which I think is really important. Um, There's a moment where Bernadette beat someone up for misgendering her or using her dead name, um, which I love. Like, they're just... It sort of teeters in terms of some of that tension of violence that is often an yeah. unfortunate reality of queer films. Um, yeah. Like, but it always kind of pulls you out. Who is... Who plays the sort of the younger one? Um, Guy, uh, Guy, Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce. Yeah, he, he like... He is 
gay bashed. He is gay bashed, and he also like uh, he just has such a like self, not a like. Well, he's a like classic. I feel like it's either like really smart commentary or just a reflection of some of the issues within our community because he's this like young gay man who treats this trans woman very badly. And it's like this metaphor for, you know, the way that within our community, trans people are often marginalized and not brought to the forefront. Um, But it felt like really, to me, it felt like commentary about it Yeah, because he was kind of this like young, silly thing. Yeah. Um, But yeah. But also so many of his own baggage. Yeah. Hugo Weaving. Oh, Hugo Weaving is so a national glorious. Even though he's not in our, <laughs> no, he's not, not from our nation, but but you were right. His, him and drag with that face. That I don't know why something his face is so interesting. It's his cheekbones, I think. He's like, I he's not a handsome man, but he has an, such a face that I want to look at it all the time. It's very interesting, mm-hmm. or like just full of character. Yeah. Which is why he basically is always a character actor. <laughs> exactly. Why well, he's perfect for that. Yeah. Um, and it actually has, I realized we were talking last year about bisexual films. I think this is a bisexual film because he's married to a woman and their relationship is deeply unclear. Yeah. Like, I think there's the suggestion that they're not necessarily in romantic love, but they had a kid. Mm-hmm. Anyway, there's a suggestion. And the whole storyline around him and his son, I think, is really beautiful. Yeah, that is nice. So, yeah, that's my summary of Priscilla, And it gave Queen us the, the iconic shot of a woman firing a ping pong ball out, oh, of, yeah. her, out of her I forgot to mention, that character is part of the whole problem. No, that character is tough, but I feel like that image is instilled in me for yeah. the rest of my life. It's a very racist depiction of a Filipina woman. Although that character is kind of, like, she's great. The actress is really good. Yeah. And, like, if they had just written that role differently, it could have been so amazing because she has these really funny, fiery moments. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, she shoots ping pong balls out of where the sun don't shine. Yeah. Uh, what else did you watch this week, Sean? Um, I also watched a film called Carol. Carol, I love. I have not seen Carol before. I don't know I don't why. think I knew that. I'm not sure where. I need to know everything sometimes you thing felt. Sometimes things just goes. Sometimes things just fall by the wayside. Um, it's obviously like absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I. So yeah, I think I have always written Rooney Mara off a little mm. bit. I'm just like yeah, she's like such an it girl, and she's like, you know, she's very beautiful, and you know, but she just brought. She's like, it's true that she has like the most adorable little face, mm-hmm. and. But I think her voice and her just like, just she was like a train, this train set nerdery and just the way she holds herself and her sort of meekness, but strength is like, I was really taken with this character and she fully was, yeah, she was amazing. Mm -hmm. Kate Blanchett, as always, just like rolls in and is a brassy, brassy gal as she do. And she was great. But yeah, I I, I feel like Rooney Mara like really surprised me and took Mm -hmm. the film for me. And, yeah, just, like, the way that they flirt and it's, everything's unspoken and in, you know, spoken around mm-hmm. for no one to actually say what they're thinking or say what's actually happening or what they're doing um, is just sort of, yeah, it's such a nice throwback to, <laughs> you know, a time where this is, nobody knows, like, I, I don't know, I can't really describe it, but, like, when their husbands are just, like, slightly growing confused by, like, why are you going to hang out with this woman again? Mm-hmm. 
because there's this like intense divide between male and female spheres of like sociality mm-hmm. so it's like the female is just the female the feminine the female. is so secret and quiet and like stifled like it just i feel like the whole film does such a good job of that whole sense of like it's kind of tense it's kind of like i don't even know exactly how to describe it, it yeah it just feels like a like it is as quiet lesbianism i feel like is invisible yeah like to this even now it's yeah. very just under um under the radar but then it was fully i feel like everyone was completely flabbergasted when they found out that these two were having an affair because it was just like completely like no one had ever it was completely inconceivable when like queer women have always existed yeah and it's so funny too because especially things of a certain era like it's very just like oh close female friendships were just the the norm of the day yeah and you're like yeah that's definitely all it it was it's all close female friendships um, that movie's hot. I know. I th- I think I just the film really brought to me that feeling, that low level like feeling that your life might just like ex- explode or like unravel, mm-hmm. like when your secret gets out, which is like a feeling that I remember. Yeah. And then I just like it really made it happen for me, and I was just like, damn, how did you do this, Todd? Yeah, that it gets me. That film also oh, the clothes. Yeah, and yeah, the clothes are amazing. <laughs> It's just so beautiful. And Kate Blanchett, like, yeah, they're both so beautiful. And the way that they react to each other and those two, the way the two characters are written. Because it's based on a novel, right? Oh, yes, it is. You can tell. Um, Yeah, and just, you know, the finality of, like, when they are, like, spoiler alert, kind of finish things off. Kate's just like, well, that's that. <laughs> and it's just like, are there, the way that they're talking in a crowded room about, like, these really intense yeah. feelings is just like... I was hoping you might, like, stay with me, but you probably won't, but mm-hmm. would you? And it's also sad, and and they can't actually just, like, say what they want to say. Yeah. There's so few times when they're actually behind a closed door without a ton of people watching them. That's true. That feeling of, like, being watched. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Um, also, Sarah Paulson in that movie. Oh, yeah. Is great. That is another, that's a, a little bit of... The community that I was thinking about is where Kate Blanchett and Sarah Paulson mm-hmm. have this affair that they that is over and they've if is referenced, but now is her best friend, and it's like that she doesn't even have any other friends besides an ex. Yeah, and she's like, well, I guess I have to hang out with you because you understand me more than anyone in the entire world. Yeah, which is like very true to life in my experience. Yeah, in a lot of uh, you know groups of queer women and non-binary folks. Um, it's very like it's very mature how you deal with relationships ending and things turning into friendships and I just feel like there's this level of communication that sometimes comes along with being queer that's like because you're already doing all this complicated navigating mm-hmm. it translates you're into friendship like, in really interesting yeah yeah it's very interesting and that's something that I feel like is lacking from a lot of films like I've never seen a film that accurately depicts that like a group of queer female friends. I've have you seen the L word? No, I know I, we're probably going I, to commercial soon. I but. think I watched um, 
like a couple episodes maybe, but I was like a little young for yeah. it. Like I kind of missed it, but I'm really excited about the new version. Oh yeah, they are doing a new one. Because it's like, yeah, we need an update for 2019 where it's not all just white women. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like more complex than just women, lesbians. There's more to that. All right. Well, we are going to go make some protest signs, advocate for <laughs> human rights, and we'll be right back here on Spoiler Alert on 91.3 FM, CJTR, Regina Community Radio. Welcome back to Spoiler Alert on 91.3 FM, CJTR, Regina Community Radio. You're listening to Spoiler Alert, and we're talking about queer films. But first, um, Sean, do you know what time it is by chance? Uh, Pride o'clock. It's game time! Oh, my mistake. <laughs> I was going to try and do somehow a very queer uh, air horn, but I couldn't think of it. Maybe oh, air no. horns are kind of just queer when I think about it. Um, They're loud. Yeah, they've been co-opted. Blah, 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 blah! <laughs> culture's take it. It's game time. It's game time? <laughs> what are we going to do? Jeremy's not here. Jeremy's not here. The game is a segment we do every week lovingly called the game where jeremy and it was him in this case yeah strives all week to find a film that sean and i haven't seen he tells us the title we tell him what we think it's about and he, he tells us what he tells it's us really, really about. about we both lose and we all continue with our lives something yeah. like that yep and so sean will be the one telling today but he wrote his guest yeah down so i advance. wrote down a guest but this is what the film we're talking about it is henry gamble's birthday party Henry Gamble's birthday party. Henry Gamble's birthday party. Henry Gamble's birthday party. You go first. Okay, so I thought this would be fun also. As a film. <laughs> I believe it's like a 200 cigarettes type of thing where uh -huh. there's a bunch of um, disparate friends of the um, eponymous Henry Gamble, mm -hmm. and they're all trying to make it to his birthday party before midnight <gasps> because they know that that's when he is arriving at his house. And so there's like um, a variety of just like... Henry Campbell is like sort of an it queer person of the of the moment and everyone is trying to get to this party and um you know there's just a lot of shenanigans and things that people get up to and I think it'll be very cute and fun. That sounds really fun. Yeah. Who are some of our notable actors? Oh, oh, oh. We got a Ben Wishaw as a party boy. Uh -huh. It's really outside of his um outside of his genre. Who else we got? I put you right on the spot. Yeah, I know. We got Peppermint in one of her film uh, debuts. Beautiful. We can help with that trans representation. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know. Basically, anyone that you, anyone who's anyone is in it. Yeah, because it's an ensemble cast. I exactly. love it. I yeah. would watch that for sure. Totally. I'm writing it. Henry Gamble's birthday party? Yeah. Question mark? <laughs> okay. I think Henry Gamble's birthday party is about um, Henry Gamble, who yes. is turning 90. Um, and he has decided that at his 90th birthday party, he will come out to his family. And so the whole film is like flashbacks to his life and his sort of like evolution in his queerness and his life. Um, and then flashes like into the preparation leading up to the party. And of course, there are like conflicts and things keep interrupting just as he's about to tell. Um, and maybe he dies at the end. Oh. With like having like told his truth and like been open and maybe his family is maybe that's not even a conflict when he tells them um they're just really accepting and love it and then oh. he peacefully dies he dies i wish he lived for 10 more years okay maybe he lives for 10 maybe he fakes his own death and goes to an island and then 
And he then thinks ask. that he's old and is actually young and gets to live. <laughs> it's live actually a, a fantasy. <laughs> but I lost my train there, but it made sense at first. No, it does. It makes perfect sense. Okay, what's it really okay, about, Okay, so what it really is about is a Henry Gamble, a 17-year-old preacher's son, wrestles with sexuality, alcoholism, and faith during his B-Day party. Fun! Yeah. I bet it's lighthearted. I'll bet it's not. I'll bet it's dark. But there's no violence. Yeah, you know that there is. 17-year-olds... <laughs> In a film about queerness, we'll always mess things up. I think that by, like, 2030, we could have film teens who aren't worried about it. Well, I'm sure Love, Simon has film teens. Actually, you know what? Booksmart, which I talked about last week, literally is that. It's fine. There's queerness, and it's fine. I know. Sometimes I think the teens will save us, and sometimes I think they won't. But (laughs) Only time will tell. Only time will tell us what they'll do. As always, the game is brought to us by the RPL Film Theater. We're showing a ton of great queer films this week. Oh, my goodness. And month. Go there. And all times of the year. Yeah, it's a very well-balanced... You know what? I bet if you did the Vito Russo test on RPL films, the rate would be much higher than your average movie theater. I believe that as well. Completely. I I think we just made that up, but I love it. No, I, I know it's for sure. Okay, let's get back to talking about queer movies. Um, did you have any others that you watched this week that you want to talk about? Yeah, I also watched one that I've has always been on my list, but I've never been quite feeling it, mm-hmm. um, was My Beautiful Laundrette. Yes, I also want to watch this, also haven't. It's on every, like, every time someone brings up, like, queer on film, mm-hmm. yes. this always pops up. So this is about Daniel Day-Lewis and Gordon Warneck, who, um, Gordon Warneck is like, um, an East Indian boy, not boy, he's like in his 20s. Mm -hmm. He, uh, his dad is sick, and so he has to care for him, but then he sends him to work for his uncle and his cousins to, like, wash cars. This is in, like, 80s, like, Thatcher Mm. times, and his, um, his uncle has basically become very rich. He's like, he has a lot of lines of just like, um, business conquers like racism, basically. He's like, I have become so rich that it's not like an issue. There's a lot of sort of racism and like fascism and at play in this film. Very intersectional. We like it. It is. Um, and so then, uh, So the main character is driving his drunk cousin and his wife home one night, and then all of a sudden they're attacked by a group of street thugs, and then he recognizes that one of them is his childhood friend, Daniel Day-Lewis. I don't remember their actual names. I'm going to their <laughs> I love that. He recognizes yeah. Daniel Day-Lewis, and he's like, and then they reconnect, mm-hmm. and you, there's like an unspoken sort of like that they had a bit of a tryst when they were younger, but then it was oh, interrupted yeah. because... This comes out later, but that um, Gordon Warneck <laughs> and his dad saw Daniel Day Lewis in like uh, like a fascist like pride parade, <gasps> and so then they stopped speaking to him. But then now they've sort of reconnected because he's split with these people, and then he's helping him flip a laundrette uh, and turn into a successful business. Wow. And then they sort of pick up their relationship. And and it's beautiful. And it kind of is beautiful. And I know it's like I know it's against my morals to be like uh, I I just kind of want 
queer people taking these acting roles. Mm. But Daniel Day-Lewis is such a fox in this film. I can't get over it. Yeah. He's like a... He's just fully in a punk British aesthetic. And he... His face is amazing. He looks like a... As I was saying earlier, like a sort of a grizzled milk Mm, type character. Mm -hmm. And Gordon Warnock is so cute. And they just are like... They have a really nice relationship where it's like, you know, they are a little bit mistrustful of each other, but they, I don't know, I can't, I can't really describe, but I wish, I wish you would watch. I will watch and then we can talk about it because that sounds great. Um, The only thing is that every time they talk about the laundrette, Mm -hmm. this cheesy sound effect of bubbles like popping (laughs) (laughs) always plays in the background. That's And I'm not sure the choice of that. But it's always just that's like, interesting. Is it the only thing like that in the movie? Yeah. Oh, that's that, weird. And then actually, editing is crazy. There's all they will just be like in a tough situation, like a punk is about to like kick their car or something, and then all of a sudden, cut away. They're safe. They're walking down a, a oh, different street. I feel like that happens a lot in queer films, actually. Like, well, unfortunately, actually, a lot of times you see the violence, but yeah. like. But I feel like maybe they just, I feel like this really got a hard cut, a hard editor's cut. Mm, I like that. Perhaps, but... You know how Daniel Day-Lewis's method? Yes. Do you think... I wonder if that was weird. Like, I wonder... Daniel Day-Lewis has said that he was referred to as... Um, him and Gordon were referred to as the Listerine boys for how many people they had to make up with during the film of, during the filming of this. To practice? Yeah, maybe. Probably not to practice, but... <laughs> I was like, to get into the right headspace? To get into the right headspace. Because it's like, yeah, I wonder if he... I wonder if that would give you an interesting sense of, like, the complications of being queer. I don't know. But you can't just I don't know where he was at. I'm going to look look this up. Um, But it was was just like, it's weird that all these themes, sort of like this Mm anti-immigration and fascism... um, uh, it's just like all. So it's just why fully we, relevant why is it still again. Here? I know. This is 1985. For the love of God. Like literally, that's 30 years ago. Yes. Thir- yeah, 34, almost 35 years ago. That's longer than Regina's had a pride parade. This is the 30th anniversary. I forgot to say. Oh, is it? Yeah. So it's like good that we're doing this little historical look back at queer films. Um. Another one that I watched, which is also a classic, which we also talked about last year, uh, is um, But I'm a Cheerleader. Oh, yeah. Which is probably the only funny movie about conversion camp. Oh, yeah. I didn't believe you guys last year, but it actually was. It actually had this really delightful lightheartedness about it because one of the things that I think is really tough is, you know, in making a queer film... You like obviously people want to depict the complicated things that people face in their lives, and so a lot of times that means that like a queer film will have violence in it, will have all these really difficult things. So I really appreciated the way this film didn't like sweep those things under a rug, but it just like makes them so ridiculous and camp. Well, it's just like it is honestly one of the most ridiculous things yeah. ever. So, like why all not? the stuff about ge- the like intense gender binary and the like gender roles where they're all in like pink uniforms and blue uniforms. Like, yeah. it just is so cheeky and and silly that it like takes all of the power out of it in a way. So it's like I you wouldn't 
I wouldn't believe that like a film about conversion camp would make me giggle this much it's and like feel our, lighthearted. But... It's like our nice secret superpower is that you can take <gasps> so the darkest good. thing and really make exactly. it very funny. Especially <laughs> and then it has no RuPaul. more power on you. <laughs> Especially if it has RuPaul playing high mask. Playing a high mask uh, gym teacher. <laughs> yeah. Or wait, not a gym teacher. He's, He's like, like a machinist or yeah. something. He's like their male counselor um, who's secretly lusting after the one of the maintenance workers. Um, but it's very funny. And Natasha Leone is delightful and Clea Duvall, Clea Duvall is popping in. so good. Michelle Williams is in it for like two seconds. At Which the beginning. one? Um, <laughs> the white one. Oh. <laughs> um, she is uh, like uh, Natasha Leone's friend who rats her out, actually. Oh. So I was quite disappointed. That's such a Michelle thing to do. I know, right? Um, but yeah, I was like, wow, Natasha Leone literally always been great. She has always been great. Who knew? Um, something I've been thinking about is like, what do we want? What do we want to see more of in our queer films? Because looking back at a lot of this stuff, it makes me kind of sad. Yeah. Um, and even like looking at that like Glad report, it's like okay, some of this is good, but some of it's bad. So like looking forward, being futuristic, like what do we want to see in our? Well, I guess I was kind of talking about this earlier, but like community is huge. Like, it gives me a warm feeling to see people with friends and happy and also living their life. Because, like, I know that, you know, AIDS and, like, drug histories and, like, forced, uh, like, living on the street and things like that are a part of the queer life in a lot of ways. You can't escape its history. And, like, to this day, people still have to live like that because of terrible situations. But also... I want to just see people mm-hmm. have fun and be happy and living their life. And yeah. fun, that's kind of what I want from my uh, from my films is just a bit of a celebration that, yeah, we're still here and we'll keep doing better things. Yeah. Um, like, I, I wanted to rewatch Paris is Burning again this mm. week, but I kind of forgot. Because it's just like kind of the epitome of that. Or it's like... The whole, the essence of it is is just about, like, living and being glamorous with nothing and just, like, tragedy and bitchiness and just all of the aspects of a human life. And and it's just, like, not a dumb premise, like a lot of, all these hollow premises of, like, no offense, Love, Simon, but that's what I feel when I hear it. But it's just, like, it's actually just the realist and... That's what I want more. Yeah, I fully agree. Because it is. It's like you either get heavy and depressing and, you know, maybe realistic, but, like, it's 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 traumatizing. Like, being queer is traumatizing in mm-hmm. many ways. And then it's re-traumatizing every time you want to see your own story on screen. Um, so it's like you have that or you have, like, silly, like, completely devoid of anything, um, like, empty, you know, one-dimensional, like... I would love for it to, yeah, just be, like, fully rounded and community and, you know, like, obviously representation is something. I was thinking about this today, and I feel like this is something that TV has actually done a lot better than film. Totally, yeah. Because I can think of a lot of TV shows that I've watched for the last few years where a lot of these problems don't exist, you know, like... And, like, honestly, some of the most random ones, like, mm -hmm. Brooklyn Nine-Nine has a very, like... Brooklyn Nine-Nine is great. Like, a confident adult woman who's also bisexual right or also captain holt <laughs> who is my favorite character he is? exactly who yeah is 
a gay man and is also the most militaristic, un, un, uh, no sense of humor type of person ever. Yeah, Captain Holt actually might be my favorite TV character He's of all time. Very funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, I just, I basically want, I can't believe I'm saying this about a cop show. But I basically want everything to be more like Brooklyn Brooklyn Nine Nine in that sense, yeah. where like they actually have been doing really well over the last couple of years at like, like you know, sort of making note of things. Like they'll like make a joke about something and then be like, okay, but seriously, that's a real issue. Like the character will say it, yeah. um, and I feel like it's really smart because they talk about these things that matter, but then also it's not just that and they get the they get both ends where they get to make d- the dumb like, yeah. hanging joke but then also get to double down and be like but it's not funny actually yeah <laughs> or like that's a real problem which yeah. i love um yeah i think we have a bright future ahead of us you our and, little queer family you and i both mm-hmm. to all our listeners we love you so much yeah. you have a friend with spoiler alert exactly uh, well I think we'll go into a little segment uh, that we like to end our show with uh, called What You Watching, where we like to talk about what we're watching. Sean, what you watching? Wow. This is, so a lot of things I watched this week were Mm -hmm. in the 80s, and this is no exception, except a very different part of the 80s called Chernobyl. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Oh, my God. Have you seen? No, I still haven't watched it. I need to be in the right mood. It is, you do need to be in the right mood. Yeah. But it was, it was kind of a sleeper show where like, mm-hmm. uh, I saw its commercial during Game of Thrones and it was just like, okay, th- I see where this is, like, I see what this is about. Then I watched and it's fully like stellar. Like, yeah. Actually amazing. Yeah. It was probably one of the best series I've watched this year for sure. Did it make you sad? It, it made me it didn't make me sad it made me completely i was just like mind boggled because mm. I, I was just like there's no way this happened mm. it doesn't feel like it happened it happened the year before i was born right. how insanity um so yeah it's just basically uh it shows the event it shows how so many people just like i, I don't know the main themes are not only just like safety, um, nuclear power and safety, because I mm-hmm. think I've actually read a lot of things that they got a lot of that wrong. Oh, interesting. Um, which I don't think is actually the main theme of it. It's just like sort of how the deceit and lies and treachery, um, and spe- that the Soviet Union was doing and how it basically destroyed them because they would not fully con- tell anyone how bad the situation was because right. they didn't want, they were, they were, sunk by their own propaganda basically Mm. because they're like no it's not very it's not too bad we don't (laughs) need to like uh we don't need to get all these people out of here and then everyone else is like it's horrible we really need to get these people out." yeah and yeah and they if you're a stat queen as you are they Uh they hit you with a lot oh i like that and they get oh it's like you know i love to learn while i'm watching something and there's some parts that are just the at the very end they sort of they really lean into the parts that were actually very factual, and one of them is they. There's a scene where they take all of fire, the firefighters' clothes, and they realize they're radioactive, and so the nurses all dump them in this big room, and then the the clothes to this day have never been touched, and <gasps> they still are so radioactive that you cannot go near them. Whoa! And it's just yeah. There's there's so many situations where it's like 
this is the most dangerous situation. We need a bunch of dudes to just run onto a room, onto a roof, and scrape graphite into a big burning hole because it is releasing all this radioactive. And people, Russian people are just volunteering to save Russia. Really? It's wild. Well, that's good of them. It is, but it also, I don't know. Wasn't good? Wasn't great? It is. It was amazing, but just seeing how many people lay their life on for someone that doesn't really care that much about them, or Mm. just to protect their own well-being. Anyway, I'm not really fully describing Chernobyl, but you definitely need to watch. Was it, did you, like, um, visually... Was it quite stunning? Visually, it was very stunning. This is what I've heard. That is, That was like what I was most taken by. Mm. Yeah. Hauntingly. Hauntingly. And the performances are so good. Yeah. Okay, I have to watch. Ugh. It's been on my list, and I just haven't got there. Get to. What because I... What have you been busy, busy with instead? I was busy watching all of season two of Killing Eve. Um... I'm fully obsessed with this show, with Sandra Oh, with Jodie Comer, who uh, plays the lady assassin, Villanelle. She's a bit of an up-and-comer, isn't she? <gasps> she is an up-and-comer, and her accent work, Sean, because she does... Okay, because basically, the premise of Killing Eve, I can't remember if I said this last time I talked about Killing Eve, is that um, Sandra Oh, like... I'm sorry. Also, like, it, I have to talk about Sandra Oh on our queer episode. You can't not. She's an icon. Um... She is, she basically gets drafted into an MI6 program to hunt down this female assassin named Villanelle, played by Jodie Comer, Uh and they fully become obsessed with each other in this way that is just so delightful. It's like quite flirty, and there is this kind of sexual element to it, but it also is like this mystery and intrigue, like... I feel like it plays a little bit on this sort of, like, obsession with true crime that we all have. Totally. Um, It looks spectacular. It's, like, very stylized. Um, Yeah, it just... If I just wish that they would just keep churning it out. Like, I would just watch 20 seasons of this show, even if it was awful and, like, jumped the shark and didn't make sense anymore. No, don't say that. I just want to live in this world with them. The BBC knows what they're doing. They give you... Dribbles of film. I know. Just drips and drags. Yeah. They even made season two quite fast, like, by their standards, because I think people were, like, clamoring for it. It was a big deal. Um, But Jodie Comer, who plays Villanelle, so she's, like, a Russian assassin, but then she, uh, like, transforms into all these disguises and stuff, so she does all of this accent work. Her British is the best. She actually has a, like northern english accent i was gonna say i remember people were very aghast i was like okay i have to go watch an interview with her and i died i was so shocked so yeah like watch killing eve what are you even doing season two's been out for like a whole week what What have i been doing uh well i know what you've been you've been busy (laughs) you're you're booked and blessed um the other thing I watched, which also kind of falls under our theme, is I went to see Rocket Man last night. Oh yeah. A little musical biopic about Sir Elton. And I have very mixed feelings. Yeah. Did you okay, so you've seen the trailer, obviously. I've seen the trailer. I and, tried to go that one time. Oh right. When you mistakenly thought I was gonna go to Booksmart, but I actually was trying to go there. Uh but it was sold out. So people are Wanting to see it. Mm-hmm. And I actually was trying to see Aladdin last night, which is highly hilarious and embarrassing. <laughs> um, but it was sold out. 
because all People the kids are, are watching going. everything. Which I was like, it's been out for like a month. Why is Aladdin sold out? Apparently, no one likes it. Um, okay, so what were your, what did you think it would be like, Rocket Man? Like, what are, what do you think it's going to be? Like? It looks just like costumes look amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard that there is uh, a very like sensual, sexy scene mm-hmm. that people were were surprised by. It was handled well. Um, but then, actually, I don't really m- know much more about that. Yeah, I. And also, I don't the Taron Egerton, I, yeah, is so cute. A delight. Yeah, and he did a great job. I will say that first and foremost. Like, I think one of the things the film did really well was. In the in all of the ways, okay, it's impossible not to compare it to Bohemian Rhapsody because that just came out last year and like literally won Best Picture. No, yeah. it didn't, but it almost did. Um, in the way that Rami Malek, it was like kind of cartoonish yeah. his performance and those darn teeth. Oh yeah, of teeth. They like went the opposite direction with Taron Egerton, and I'm really glad because he sort of doesn't look a ton like Elton John in the role, but he captures his essence in this really delightful way. So like, you know, he doesn't look exactly like him, but like his physicality is so perfect. And there's well, just, Elton's like, all costuming really <laughs> exactly, and the costumes were stupendous. Like I could literally see it getting an Oscar for yeah. the costumes. Um, and then, of course, they do the like little montage over the credits of like the costume next to the real thing Elton wore. Oh yeah, which is like I would honestly pay just to see that. Um, but the pacing was kind of weird. I feel like it was half really cliche biopic. And half like musical fantasia, which those like, parts were amazing. I feel like it's tough when you have the person, the subject mm-hmm. involved heavily. He was the executive producer. And he was fully foot in it. So, yeah. So I'm still processing, I guess. It has really good reviews. So I am like doubting myself. Oh, never doubt yourself. One thing I truly can't forgive is. I don't. I. I will never understand why this happened. They cast Bryce Dallas Howard as his mom. What? How old is she? <laughs> like, it starts when he's a kid. Okay. And just cast someone English is my first thing. Right. Um, but then they like kind of age her up in the middle, and then like severely age her up at the end. Oh no 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 no! I, I'm gonna be honest. She didn't do a great job. Oh. And the character's not written great. Like, there's PDH. a weird arc. And it just made me so sad because I want, you know, I was like, I want her to do well. You want to see a redhead lady succeed. I want to see a redhead lady succeed, but BDH didn't deliver. So I guess it's on to Jessica Chastain. Any listener out there who's seen Rocketman and wants to talk about it, message our page and we can talk about it because I just, I don't know how I feel. Well, I'll try to get some eyes on this. Okay. Try to get some of my tinted goggles on this film. <laughs> You'll have to go, like, a Tuesday morning. Yeah. <laughs> no people, one else is trying to people go. People are jamming the theater fall. Well, that comes to the end of our queer episode parade here. Asanya. On spoiler I'm art. so glad we could share this time. Me too. Happy Pride Month, everyone. Be safe. Walk with us in the parade. Yes. It's a long walk. Yes. We'll be there. We'll have water. Live your power. Trans rights are human rights. Queer rights are human rights. Everybody think about what pride means to you for this month. We would like to thank Saskatoon's The Garys for the use of our theme song, Manituna, and everyone here at CJTR for making this beautiful nonprofit station work. Uh, I would like to thank my beautiful co-host, Sean, and Jeremy, even though he's not here. Uh, and R. all of you for Jeremy. listening. R.I.P. Jeremy, rest in power. Uh, <laughs> we can be found as a podcast 
anywhere you find podcasts. We are live Wednesdays at 6. We rebroadcast Friday mornings at 9. My Electric is up next. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.